Welcome to CEO Crossing. Owning a business is hard, especially when you're crossing over from one challenge only to be met with another. CEO Crossing is your source for inspiration, education, and reformation. It's where CEOs tell their stories, drop their knowledge, and help you succeed by showing you how to avoid their previous mistakes or take lessons they've already learned to help you accelerate your growth and success. Do you have a thirst for knowledge? Join us as host Paul Kirch helps you cross over by bringing you powerful insights and dynamic expert guests. And don't forget to jump in and join our social learning network by visiting ceocrossing.org. ceocrossing.org. And simply apply for membership today. Now, let's welcome the host of CEO Crossing, Paul Kirch. Paul Kirch. Welcome to CEO Crossing. I'm your host, Paul Kirch, and I'm grateful you're here today. Today, I want to break bread with you folks. And I'm saying this because our guest today is the author of the book, Breaking Bread, Gautam Ganglani. Now, he has a philosophy and a strategy that has served him well in life and has allowed him to build deep, lasting relationships. And many of these people that he's building these personalized relationships with are the people that he has built a strong relationship in business with. And a lot of the things that he's doing are things we should all be embracing. So let's break bread today. And we bring on Gautam Ganglani, who's also the leader of The Right Selection, a speakers bureau who works with world-class and highly renowned speakers. We're excited to bring him on because I know there's going to be a lot of great things that we can take away from today's interview. Let's welcome Gautam Ganglani to the show. Gautam Ganglani, thank you for joining us on CEO Crossing. An absolute pleasure, Paul. Thank you for the kind invitation. Well, we're honored to have you on. I've gotten the opportunity to get to know you a little bit uh, off, off of the air here, and it's been such a real honor to see the way that you network and you build relationships and you know, today you're a guy who's known as a uh, speaker bureau manager. You've you've built some relationships where you have some dedicated speakers you work with, and, and that's all wonderful. But I want to start off by talking about your book, Breaking Bread, because this is something that stems from a philosophy that you have in terms of the way you've built relationships and the way you become a trusted friend and partner for some of these people you work with. Can you talk a little bit about the uh, the way the book came about and what the concept behind it is? Sure. Fantastic. Thank you, Paul. Well, first and foremost, I mean, a part of the Indian culture and the Arab culture where I've spent most of my time, um, you know, they say families that eat together stay together. And to me, that was the very foundation of, of really how the book's name came about. Because as a family, we would have a family meal together every evening, but extended family meals every, every weekend. And that continued from my days of being born and brought up in the UK to the Gulf and now in India. Um, and they always, that sort of family bonding and where we, you know, we built rapport, we, we connected with our family members, we had conversations we built trust. We built sort of our our emotion uh, friendships together as well. And so that very concept of breaking bread is when you sort of have a positive energy exchange in two more people. And so that was really a part of that, our extended culture into our organizations from our family culture into the business culture where you sort of have meals together with your team, with your clients, with your suppliers, with your vendors. And you built relationships over time. And that's really how the book came about very recently, written in the last uh, six months or so. And I find that uh, works amazingly well. I had a mentor who uh, used to be part of a mastermind group he belonged to and that he ran. 
And one of his philosophies was, look, he goes, if there's somebody you want to get to know, invite them to lunch. You pay for that lunch and you don't talk business. If business comes up, that's fine. But your goal there is to get to know them. And man, it was really hard at first because you go in with this mindset. I have to be selling. I have to be selling. But if you do this and you get to know people on a personal level, the business relationship can just blossom from an amazing place. And I think at, at conferences and at different networking events, a lot of times the biggest deals are happening after hours, you know, when people are out socializing and getting to know each other personally. And then the opportunity to help each other on a professional level seems to be so much more fitting. Is that what you found in this process? Absolutely. You, you hit the nail on the head there, Paul. I mean, you know, people have asked you, what's your best marketing strategy? You've been in business as a family over 25 years. Was it radio, newspaper, TV, referrals, word of mouth, PR? And I say none of the above. It was breaking bread. I mean, thanks to my wife, who hosted over 100 dinners at our home in Dubai and now even in India. And uh, we invite our clients, suppliers, well-wishers, partners with their spouses. And we talk anything but business. The idea is to build professional friendships. We ask them for movies, to their hobbies, to their travel, any topic other than, than business. Now, if they happen to bring up business, yes, you'll respond. But my, my ultimate goal is to build professional friendships and, and over a meal. I mean, they get a home-cooked meal. If you have the opportunity to have it in your home, then even better. But obviously, otherwise, if you're taking clients out or you're having a working lunch or dinner, then yes, you do that outside. But it's absolutely right. Have a meal with your clients, your suppliers, your well-wishers, and uh, discuss anything but work because that's where you build those relationships uh, for the long term. And you've got collaboration, abundance mindset, not one of scarcity and transactions, which a lot of people in business may have. And that's the distinction. Yeah, and I think that idea of taking business conversations out of business is sometimes a missed mark for a lot of people, especially young salespeople, people that aren't confident in their process. They think it takes too long. They got to jump right into it. But the truth be told, if you can get to know somebody on a personal level, you're going to be able to serve them way better as a as a business associate because you know who they are. You know what makes them tick. You know what matters to them. And that's so important. Yeah. If I look back at uh, many of our biggest contracts, and I share one example of a dear friend of mine in my book as well, but our biggest contract, even during this challenging time we're living in, have come about because one's been patient, one's been polite, one's been persistent, but you've gone in to build relationships. And the kind of contract values that you're able to attract when you've been patient and persistent in building relationships has been is far bigger than the transactional sort of operational business that you may generate over a quick deal that you may make. So um, that makes a big, big difference. The more you invest in the relationship, the bigger the, the opportunity for securing long-term uh, contracts and building long-term collaborative partnerships. So the idea of breaking bread obviously makes a lot of sense. If you're in the same area as somebody, you can invite them to your home or you can invite them out to dinner. That's wonderful. But the truth is you can do this virtually. I, I had a client that I talked to on the phone probably two or three times a month for years. And I got to know this person on such a personal level. I felt like I'd known her forever. And then when we did meet in person, it was so bizarre because I'm like, 
we've never met before, but this seems like I've known you forever. You can break bread in a virtual environment just as easily as you can in person. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. In fact, I'd say thanks to COVID, I added a chapter in my book called Breaking Bread Online. Because whilst in principle, breaking bread conceptually is about a meal, breaking bread goes far more than just a meal. It's an energy exchange, as I said, between two or more people. It can be done on the phone, can be done over email, can very much be done over a Zoom call as we're doing now. The idea is to get to know someone far more than just about business. Get to know them personally and professionally. Build rapport beyond just business. And that can be absolutely done over Zoom. I mean, I set a goal of over 100 conversations, which I completed in the first three months of the sort of lockdown period, online Zoom conversations with over 100 people, friends, family, past clients, prospects, and just had how are you conversations for 30 minutes, built rapport, and some of those already turned into business. And if nothing else, you built some great professional friendships in a time of need where you've built rapport, you've built what I call an emotional bank account for the future. Let's talk about that friendship. In fact, you and I are having this conversation because we met through a mutual friend, and this is somebody that I've never... I guess you could say I've never done anything professionally with him, except he I consider him a mentor. He's somebody that's guided me along the way. But what he does more than anything is he introduces me to amazing people like yourself. And that's that's the importance of these relationships you're talking about, is that we often think we have to get somebody something from somebody to have value in that business relationship, when the truth be told is, if we're giving ourselves and being selfless in our approach, we can build a connection with people that is lasts a lifetime. And those people can introduce us to people and refer us to people and be a voice for others that are asking, hey, who is this guy, Paul Kirch? You know, should I work with him? Those, those are the people that really we need at a time that we think, well, I just need a, somebody to buy from me. No, you need these people that are in your corner to help be there to support you. Absolutely. I mean, the, the very example of our, our interview and our conversation today is a dear friend of mine, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, posted about my book on his LinkedIn. Rajesh saw that post. He has a great relationship and high regard for Marshall, commented on that post. We exchanged messages. And then he called me, said, could we have a call? Break bread. I'd like to break bread with you. We had a conversation, never knew each other, other than knowing we have a common friend in Marshall Goldsmith. He asked me about the book and he said, how can I help you? As I'd love to be you know, interviewed or have conversations on anybody's podcast, he said, fantastic, I have a few dear friends. And he introduced me to you know, half a dozen or so friends and you know, I've had three or four podcasts, including the one we have today. So one just looks at that, that's exactly the, the, the nature. It was breaking bread online. He's from a post to a message, to a conversation, to understanding how he can add value into my life. He's now broken bread with me. It's now, you know, positive energy exchange. And we're looking how to collaborate and how to support each other in any way we can, whether it's directly for business or just sharing advice or ideas. And he asked one of the most important questions, how can I help you? You know, instead of the thought process, how can you help me? How can I help you? Yes, that's it. All about abundance. And, you know, saying, how can I help you? And that made a big difference. That's a great, great question to keep in mind. 
Absolutely. All right. Well, so let's let's take a little shift here. So today, like I said, you are known for having an impactful speakers bureau with a very uh, elite group of speakers that you represent and work with. Uh, that's been a culmination of a lot of shifts over the years. Uh, I think at one point you were uh, doing informational books and then you started working directly with uh, speakers. And then now you've really kind of narrowed down your focus to a core group of speakers. What have you learned on that journey in terms of uh, better relationship building and the importance of, of, I guess, marketing and supporting these people that you're representing? Great, great question, Paul. Thanks. I mean, for me, it's been traveling with these speakers has been just, uh, you know, an absolute blessing to say the least. The conversations you have on onboard flights, um, at, you know, at airport lounges, uh, after an event at dinner, a breakfast before a meal, before, uh, before the event, all these touch points that you have are your opportunity to break bread because when the speakers are off stage, typically most speakers fly in for an event, may have a welcome dinner, do an event and fly out. But for us, we've built such relationships with our speakers. They've spent anywhere from three days to even two weeks with us at a time. So we've always built, you know, initiatives around that event where it involves maybe breakfast with CEOs or dinners with dignitaries or, you know, with the media, a lunch or a breakfast, some kind of interaction actually over breakfast, lunch or dinner with idiot decision makers, media, influencers or potential clients. So when our speakers come in, we build our relationships with them and invite them to our homes. We've had more than 30, 40 global speakers have dinner with me and my family. The relationships make it personal. So they feel they know my family. They got to share about their family, their journeys, as well. So now each of our speakers, we know about each other's families. We send Diwali greetings they send to us during our Indian New Year, and we greet them during Christmas and New Year. That's personal. That's an auspicious festivity in each of our cultures, and we're wishing our speakers and their families, and they're doing the same for me and my families. That is a speaker level. In terms of business standpoint, the dinners and the lunches they have with our clients or prospects or media during their visits with us, help me because that helps me grow the business with them because they've left and had an emotional engagement with prospects, media, influencer for future business. So when they travel back, it's not just the event that they delivered. They've had that meal with, with all these people. And those people, when I connect with them, they're like, wow, yes, Marshall's like a dear friend of mine. You know, Ron's a dear friend of mine. They feel there's a friendship built because they had a meal. It's amazing. Just by having a meal, they feel that that person is a friend, um, just not just a business partner or a speaker. And I love that here we are full circle, bringing back to breaking bread and even tying it into what you're doing with your clients. And I think that's phenomenal that I guarantee they're taking those philosophies back home and putting them to use with other opportunities. And that's that's so impactful. So in your business, I mean, you have to be an expert in marketing and promotion and public relations. Where do you find the biggest struggle for most speakers trying to break out today? Is it, uh, is it harder to get engagements? I know it's almost impossible to get a good speaking engagement if you don't have a book these days, at least on a, a level where you're going to be able to scale. But where do you find the biggest challenge for a speaker that's trying to break out today? 
Well, you actually named it. It is the book. Uh, the book is the absolute minimum for a speaker to get credibility and be seen as an authority in a specific subject area. They then need to be able to market that book because having a book is the first step. It's a non-negotiable first step because the book gives you, you know, the branding, um, the awareness, etc., PR that comes out of a book. But that book needs to become a global bestseller. It needs to be re renowned in all markets if those are markets you want to break into. So then speakers, when they visit, um, and they may do PR or book tours in different countries, so sort of, especially outside their, their sort of primary areas. Now, speakers in the U.S. may be well-known in the U.S., but they only become international by having a book that's available in all the other markets and sometimes translated. Then they need to make visits to those markets and sort of give impetus to the book sales that take place by sort of being on speaking tours. So we've had speakers come out to India and the Gulf for the first time on a two-week tour, do about 30 speaking engagements, morning, afternoon, evening, from universities to business houses to associations, and have the books you know, given out to all these delegates. So they've had an emotional experience with an author. They've loved that book. And then if that book helps them personally or professionally, they become a fan, or as Ken Blanchard says, a raving fan. And then only are they able to get paid speaking engagements from the marketplace when their books are established and they've added value through the speaking and the books. Yeah, I mean, it's an, it's an incredible journey to get to the point where you see somebody that's getting paid high fees for speaking and you don't realize the journey they've been on to get to that point. It just doesn't get handed to you, especially today. And I look at, uh, we do a lot of digital marketing through my uh, brand, Sellience, and one of the things that's a constant struggle is the algorithms of the search engines like Google, YouTube, Facebook. They have made it prohibitively hard for somebody to get exposure unless you're paying for promotion. And, you know, it used to be organic promotion was not a difficult thing, but today it's much more difficult. Do you find that? is true with the authors as well yep i i agree with you it uh it is it is becoming more and more difficult and more and more challenging um so uh but again it's all about persistently adding value making a difference and um and 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 really staying connected with the right people in global markets to be able to make sure that your your message your value uh reaches the right people Owning a business is hard, especially when you're crossing over from one challenge only to be met with another. You don't have to go it alone. Come out to CEOcrossing.org and find your source for inspiration, education, and reformation. Here, CEOs tell their stories, drop their knowledge, and help you succeed by showing you how to avoid their previous mistakes or take lessons they have learned to help you accelerate your growth and success. Visit CEOcrossing.org and apply for membership today. You obviously gave some uh, great advice when you talked about the, the the challenges and what you needed with the book and and being able to promote it and build those raving fans. But what other advice do you have for somebody that's an author wants to get on a speaking tour and they want to really break out in this space? What what advice would you have for somebody that was trying to break out? So first and foremost, I want to ask the speaker is like, what's your message? Um, and who is your message going to add most value to? So let's really be clear about the message we have and who's going to benefit from that message 
that's most clear. It can't be, you know, one for all kind of message. And then once you understand that um, and you say, for example, it's customer service. So if that's your key area, then within that, you could go deeper and say the hospitality industry, you could say, you know, retail, whatever that industry is. So you realize then there are associations that represent those industries. You'd want to connect with the rep, with those conference organizers from those industries. So like in Dubai, there's a, there's a, a conference called Recon. It brings all the shopping malls, all the retailers together for one big annual conference every year. You have all the decision makers of that industry in the room. If that's one of your target markets, then you've got to work your way in finding out how you can be the keynote speaker or breakout or training for that, in, that industry-specific conference because then you've got a captive audience from your, your target market in the room. That itself is priceless. And so to me, I think you really have to be strategic in where you speak, um, contribute to articles, blogs, to that sort of um, industry sort of page, even connect with them on social media, on LinkedIn, and add value, add comments, add articles. So I think really is understand your target market and find ways to connect with the decision makers, add value through content, both online and offline. And that would be one of the right ways rather than just speaking to a multiple different audiences and being general. Now, you obviously focus on a, a certain region of the world and your speakers that you work with um, might be doing things in North America. But when they come to uh, your your area, like India and uh, the Gulf re region, obviously, that's when they work directly with you. But do you... Um, do you find that somebody that is doing this on a global scale faces challenges beyond what somebody might be if they're just doing it in North America? Or do you find that if they build exposure in one area, it's pretty easy to, to branch out in other areas? When you say branch out, are you talking about topic? Are you talking about if they're successful in the U.S., does that guarantee success in other parts of the world? Yeah, does that kind of translate that uh, success in one region? Does it uh, help them, uh, I guess, expand in other areas? Or is there, I guess, maybe it's not a black and white answer. Well, I mean, to some extent, I'd say, you know, if there's one market in the world you want your book to be successful, it's the U.S. It's definitely the biggest global market in the world. Um, you know, even the speaker management companies, if there are 100 speaker management, 85% of their own, you know, America sort of region is the largest market. Even in terms of books, people took the New York Times bestsellers list. People always don't reference that as the as the benchmark. So if you make your book a success, if you become a successful speaker in the U.S., you're quite likely to then get global business because all the leading companies in the U.S. have branches all over the world. I mean, we we had a company, you know, project out of India, which led to us getting a contract in the U.S. That has happened, but the other way around would be much more easier because every global company based out of U.S. has a global presence. They have multiple offices. If not in every major country, they have one in every every continent for sure. I mean, all the companies that I know, the, the, the top 100 companies have branch offices in India, in Singapore, in London, um, you know, so in Australia, perhaps. So to me, if you've established clients in the U.S., then those referrals of those clients to their global partners would be great. It's one of the ways even when we get speakers flying in to us to India for the first time, we ask them, could you give us a list of your clients that you've worked with in the U.S. who are global? 
So they share lists and we, we identify maybe five to 10 of those clients. And I write to a Coca-Cola or a Siemens or a, you know, one of the top companies in, in India and give references of the work that that speaker has done in the US. So that's been another way to open doors in this part. Yeah, you mentioned New York Times bestseller list. I mean, obviously, that's the kind of the pinnacle. And uh, Amazon bestseller list, obviously, it carries some weight. Uh, but there are ways to trick that system. I know people that are authors all the time that they'll, you know, they give away their book for free. You just pay shipping and they count those sales, pre-sales towards their book sales. And next thing you know, they're an Amazon bestseller, but they got nowhere near a bestseller on New York Times. Uh, I know Booktopia in Australia is another big resource for promotion and book book publishing that uh, we've done some work with them. And I know that there's obviously other places around the globe, but outside of the U.S., are there some big publishing or big uh, um, distribution platforms where you'd say, hey, if you're a speaker, you really need to be getting your book promoted through this channel? Well, I mean, for this part of the world, India and Malaysia are two major publishing sort of regions that I know of. So I know for the Indian subcontinent, then a lot of the leading publishers, Brandon House, HarperCollins, um, do have their Indian sort of affiliate offices in this part of the world. I mean, one of my dear friends just launched his book in the U.S. Now, the book price is 20 U.S. dollars in the U.S. 20 dollars couldn't sell however good that book is over here in India. So he had to partner with an Indian publisher instead of a hardback made it a paperback. But then the book's priced at, I think, $10, which is more affordable for it to become a, a best-selling book. It's not about the money you make from the book, but the, you know, if your book can be sold to you know tens of thousands of people, it's going to help open doors for training, coaching, consultancy, and speaking. So out of India, books can go to this part of the world, and Malaysia as well reaches out to Asia, so to me, these are additional two hubs that have, you know, publishing rights, have distribution rights, has great sort of PR and, and distribution networks as well. Gotcha. I love it. Uh, now, I know that you work with a select group of publish or excuse me, uh, of speakers and uh, you're probably limited on bandwidth. But is this is an opportunity for anybody listening that they could reach out to you and learn more about how? possibly you could help represent them? It'd be my pleasure. I mean, I, I'm one that always likes to be helpful as part of my nature. We all started somewhere. You know, when we started as a family business 27 years ago, we started, you know, the ground up. So to me, if I can add value and uh, help those who are looking to start their journey, if they join right, they can work with right selection, great. But if not, I'd definitely be able to give them advice, feedback, share my experience and point them in the right direction. Um, our model has evolved from a speaker bureau to what I call speaker management service. We are working with very few speakers, but I can surely give them all the experience I have, which will help them in their journey. And who knows, if not today, one day soon, we'd be happy to collaborate with them directly as well. That's amazing. Can you tell people how they can connect with you then? Sure. I mean, there's two ways that I recommend to connect with me. One is through my website, which is by my name. That's G-A-U-T-A-M. G-A-N-G-L-A-N-I, Gautam Ganglani, so .com. So that address has everything about me, my journey. You can also book an appointment with me there if you'd like to catch up. And otherwise, LinkedIn is my preferred mode of 
keeping my professional contacts. You can connect with me on LinkedIn and send me a message. It'll be a pleasure to to connect with you and explore further. Gautam Gangalani, thank you so much for being on CEO Crossing. It's been an absolute pleasure, Paul. Thank you for your valuable time and uh, look forward to staying closely connected and breaking bread again. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Thanks again to Gautam Gangalani for coming on and showing us the way, showing us how to break bread, how to build those relationships at a deeper level than we ever could before. And Gautam is just one example of the people that we have on that is showing you how to cross over to success. Come out to CEOcrossing.com, join our community, and learn how you too can cross over to success. Thanks again. I hope you have an amazing day. Thanks for tuning in to CEO Crossing with our host, Paul Kirch. Be with us next time when we share stories and inspiring lessons brought to you by guest CEOs and business leaders who are helping pave the path to success. If you have questions or ideas to share, email us at podcast at ceocrossing.org. No matter your experience level, business leadership is hard and no one should go it alone. Cross over at ceocrossing.org. ceocrossing.org. And let us help you accelerate your business success today.